Well, this morning we're going to read from the book of Matthew, and Matthew chapter 13 this morning, and we continue our, our series as we go through uh, some of the parables this morning. Uh, Nigel's going to open up this for us a little bit later. Matthew chapter 13, and verse 24 we're going to begin to read. If you're lifting a pew Bible this morning, if you've got one sitting in front of you, you'll find this on page 979 this morning, 979. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to read, but we're going to focus a little bit later from verse 31 through to verse 34, 35. So, just so that you know. Here we go. This is God's word to us. We thank God for it. We know that it's true and it is living and it is active. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? And an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and to pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all of your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest garden plants, the largest of garden plants, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. And he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked through all of the dough. Jesus spoke all of these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the, righteousness will, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us. Well, you might like to turn with me to Matthew 13. We're thinking especially of those little central parables in the reading that we had uh, verse 31 to 35, 
Matthew 13, page 980. Just as we're turning that up, one of the things that we really want to do is raise a generation here of young people who pray. And uh, tonight at six o'clock, primary school children will be gathering in the minister's room to pray uh, as the other prayer meeting is going on uh, next door. And uh, you might want to think about that as a parent uh, as you, you uh, invest your children and, and uh, encourage your children in things that are going to build really good patterns into their lives, by thinking about that later on, um, that, that that's something that you might prioritize with them and for them. So that's tonight, our engine room prayer meeting. That's what we call it. It's our engine room prayer meeting uh, at six o'clock in the minister's room. Well, I wonder, can you imagine the, the, the scene of, of uh, these parables as we think about them today, maybe it's something like this. You know, there are crowds gathering. You've maybe gone to a big football match and you just find that there are people streaming towards one central location. And here they're coming from every sort of different background. There are people who are older and younger, men and women, the well, the sick, and they're all coming. And they're all coming to hear Jesus. And they're all coming to hear Jesus because he is talking about something that in the ancient world really, really, really sparked people's attention, the kingdom of God. This was the the great Jewish dream, if you like. Uh, Right down through the years, uh, the uh, the Old Testament Jews had had really suffered at the hands of other nations. They'd been overrun and occupied more times than they could remember. And it was clear that if things were to really take a turn for the better, God would have to do something. But they knew that there was a promise that that God was going to come and sort things out. They didn't really know how that was going to happen, but, but they had that expectation. They understood that the kingdom would be preceded or inaugurated by the Messiah, God's chosen one. And so you could imagine the excitement that began to sort of ripple through the countryside in those days whenever this young Galilean preacher began to go from village to village preaching about the kingdom and proclaiming that the kingdom was at hand, that it had arrived really. And they really would have wondered, was this really it? Was this the beginning of a new age for for Israel, for the world? Well, of course it was, but not quite in the way that they were thinking. Jesus was indeed setting up God's kingdom, but it was not at all like the kingdom that these people had in mind. The kingdom of God was a spiritual kingdom. It didn't have boundaries and borders. It didn't have an army. It didn't have a a city at its center with a throne room and a king with a crown, not in the way that they were understanding those things. No, God's kingdom was a kingdom whereby he would rule people's lives. That's how it would begin. God was setting up a kingdom of subjects who had bowed the knee to his son, Jesus Christ, who'd say to God, you are my king. You rule me. And these people would be his people forever. And whenever you begin to think about it, the magnitude of what God is doing in this world, he's gathering a people of his very own, a people gladly under his rule, working towards a a renewed creation. It is truly amazing. But if you were to be there on that day, when you turned up and saw Jesus and heard Jesus and his disciples, you might wonder with them, "Is is this really it? Is this really what we're looking for? After all, Jesus was 
just a carpenter. He didn't have formal training. He'd been born in these odd circumstances in a backwater village. He, and here he was away out in the countryside, away from where the people of influence were. And look at his followers. They were fishermen and tax collectors and ex-political activists, a, a real rag bag of people, hardly the best material for, for those who would be involved in the kingdom of God. Was it really the case that it was here that everything was going to start? But of course, God <clears throat> works in ways that we can never imagine. And these parables make that really, really clear. Jesus changes our expectations here. First of all, he tells us about a man uh, planting a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed wasn't actually the smallest seed in existence, but Jesus knew that, of course, but it was the smallest seed that was commonly planted by Jewish farmers or gardeners. In fact, it had become a legendary small seed. You, you remember Jesus talked about having faith as small as a mustard seed. And it did grow uh, remarkably large. Uh, normally, it was kept as a small bush, but in some cases, it would grow to 10 or 12 feet. So it was, it was the biggest plant in, in most Jewish gardens or even on a Jewish farm. And therefore, it was, it was something that was very, very small that, that produced a, a really incredible uh, result. Birds came and nested in its branches. And then, and then Jesus tells another story. Uh, here it's not of a, a field, but of a kitchen. Some bread is being made. Well, actually, an awful lot of bread is being made. Uh, a measurement of flour here is probably about 22 liters, so enough for 100 people. But in making the bread, the woman takes a little bit of leaven. It's, it's not just yeast as the NIV has. Technically, it's, it's leaven, a little bit of the fermented dough from the last batch. And it's kneaded into the, the new dough. And the yeast then permeates all through the bread, and, and the bread rises successfully. Now, those are two very simple stories. It would have been common sights in Jesus' day. What was he getting at? What was the point? Well, at the very basic level, you can see that, that something very small ends up leaving, leading to something very big. It's as simple as that. Mustard seed leads to a tree. The piece of leaven ends up affecting the whole batch of dough. And, and Jesus is just saying, uh, remarkably small beginnings can have amazingly large results. And, and that's what we want to see from God's Word today. That's how we want to encourage ourselves as we start into the beginning of a new session's work in September with God, small beginnings produce amazingly large results. We can see that uh, principle illustrated in all sorts of different ways, can't we? We've seen some of these terrible forest fires that there are all over the world at the moment. And uh, you know, thousands of acres just devastated. How did they begin? Well, with someone striking a match or with a spark. I can't help when I think of this, thinking of those world record domino toppling events. Do you remember those? Blue Peter used to show them all the time. I loved them. And I think at the moment, the record stands for something like half a million dominoes. And you can, you can just watch all these things just toppling over. And there's one wee guy who gets to top, set them all off, you know, pokes it and off it goes. And I used to do this, of course, when I watched Blue Peter. I used to set up all my dominoes, all 28 of them. And... and I, you know, I thought it wasn't quite the same, but, but just one little movement and this incredible thing happens. Small beginnings, tremendous results. And with God, small beginnings produce amazingly large results. Let, let's think of how this applies, these three areas, in the church, in the world, and in our lives. When you think about the church, you've got to say that, that small beginnings 
produce amazingly large results. That was what Jesus was getting at when he told these parables. This this whole chapter is really full of parables about growth. It's all these seed images. The crowds were looking for this amazing kingdom of God to break into their situation, and they must have thought, is this really it, Jesus? Even John the Baptist, you remember, uh, sent off his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one that we're looking for, or should we expect someone else? And yet from this lowly beginning, a handful of disciples, a few hangers-on, the church exploded. Pentecost, 3,000 saved. And then these people scattered across the empire, going back to their homes with the news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And within a short time, even their enemies said that they had turned the world upside down. Listen to to this assessment of how the church grew. At the end of the the first century, there were fewer than 10,000 Christians in the Roman Empire, it was thought. Population at the time numbered some 60 million which meant that Christians made up a hundredth of one percent, according to the figures that we believe are true. By the end of the second century, by the year 200, the number may have increased to a little more than 200,000, still a tiny minority, a third of a percent. By the year 2050, the number had risen to more than a million, two percent. But the striking thing is, a generation later, by the year 300, Christians make up 10% of the population, 6 million Christians. Isn't that incredible? Over 300 years, going from a handful to 10% of the population of the empire. It might have been what Jesus was hinting at as he speaks about about the the birds of the air coming to perch in the branches of this tree. In the Old Testament, there are some images of birds coming and nesting in trees, and and they're pictures of other nations finding shelter in in a kingdom. So there's one for Assyria, for example, in Ezekiel, one in Daniel as well. And it might be that Jesus is is drawing on that image. Maybe it was quite common at the time in people's thinking. And so he was saying, you know, this doesn't look like much at the moment. But but the the nations of the world are going to come and find shelter in this kingdom. God's kingdom is going to grow. and, And these amazingly large results are going to take place. Now today, Christianity has grown to the point where where more than 30% of the world's population claims allegiance to it in one way or another. There's decline in the West, we know, but in Africa and Asia and South America, uh, there's tremendous growth. Do you know the fastest growing church in the world at the moment is in Iran. In 1979, just 40 years ago, I was 10 years old, there were 500 known Christians in Iran. And today, there are over a million. The second fastest growing church, where is it? Not in Iran, in Afghanistan. These incredible things that are happening across the world. So be encouraged. From small beginnings come these amazing results. Jesus has promised to build his church. He is confident of the harvest. We read this wider context of this parable. Matthew puts these little parables in the midst of the parable of the wheat and the tares. As John read that, you saw that the wheat and the tares was told and then it was explained. But in the middle are these two parables. And there... 
you see that the master is absolutely confident of the harvest. The servants come running to him and say, an enemy's done this. There's, 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 there's tears, there's weeds among the wheat. What will we do? And the master says, look, don't worry. Let them grow together until the harvest. The end harvest is in no doubt. And he promises that eventually in numbering the people of God, it will be like counting the sand on the seashore or numbering the stars in the heavens. With God, small beginnings produce amazing results. It's a church. What about the world? I'm sure you look at the world at times, and there's that tremendous sort of dichotomy, isn't there? There's, there's great gratitude for so many good things that we see, but there are terrible stories and terrible examples as well, and we wonder, how can this world change? But of course, with God, that's possible. Particularly thinking here of the, the picture of the yeast, uh, the leaven. Uh, in, in the Bible, it's often a negative thing. It, it's often used as a picture of sin spreading and affecting other things. But it's also got a positive tone to it in places. Leaven was sometimes used as an offering in the temple. And here the idea is positive. A little is pressed into the great batch of dough and it, it, it affects it all. Jesus spoke like this when he was talking in the Sermon on the Mount a few chapters earlier. Remember, he uses the images of salt and light. You, he says, to his disciples, to his followers, are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So just a little bit of salt changes the whole meal. Just a little bit of light pierces the darkness. And here, just a little bit of leaven affects the entire batch enough to feed a hundred people. Now we just have to look uh, through the history of, of even this nation to see how that's been the case in the past. Christians were often at the forefront of making a difference to the world that we live in. You know, that the, lots of, of, of institutions, the first institute for the blind, the first free dispensary, the first free hospital, were all set up by Christians. Uh, Christians were at the forefront of abolishing the slave trade, reforming the prisons and so on. They were salt and light and leaven. That, that's what they were called to be. But bring it closer to home. I've heard countless stories of people who have become Christians and, and, uh, and then have been in a situation where their circle has just been transformed. It's almost not something they, they did deliberately. They just couldn't really help it. A, a Christian's come to, to work in an office and, and things change. An impact is made. And then people begin to be one for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes you hear people, people's stories about how they became a Christian and it seems to have come out of the blue and, and then you begin to, to ask a few questions and it turns out, oh, there was, a, there was a granny who was praying for years. There was a Christian friend who was praying and, and inviting them along to different things. Witness was being made. Those people hardly knew what they were doing, but, but little, little efforts were, were producing these incredible results. Some of you are going to go in this week to places. Some of you are going to go into school and you're going to try to live for Jesus in tough places. And you're going to think, what am I achieving here? Just seem to be pressed to the margins and and the things that I think seem so unwelcome here. Am I making any difference? But you know, one of the things that we can take confidence from, from from this passage is that the leaven is, is spreading. The seeds are growing. 
Maybe you wonder about what you're doing in the ministry that you're involved in, the particular way that you're serving God and witnessing to others under the, the, the umbrella of the church or some Christian organization. You know, you know the stories that we hear of the Sunday school teacher who, who years later hears this young boy or young girl's testimony and they, they said, oh, you know, I remember it was on the 12th of, of March when I was in a Sunday school class and, and uh, the Sunday school teacher uh, talked about such and such and, and, and it was that that began a, a journey to, to faith for me. And the Sunday school teacher was in the habit of keeping a diary and went back and looked up that date and they had written down something like, what a terrible day. I feel like giving this up. These kids are nuts and, and uh, they don't listen to me. And yet that was the day. Do you know, there's a, there's a man who comes to this congregation. I'm not embarrassing him, um, but if you were to ask him how he became a Christian, the, 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 one of the things that sparked off the story that led him to Christ was somebody saying to him after an accident, you know, somebody was looking after you. That was all it took. And, and it began a journey that led him to the cross. With small beginnings with God, there are incredible results. This is the hope of the world, isn't it? As the news about Jesus is proclaimed, as the seed is sown, as the leaven spreads, it doesn't look like much, but the kingdom grows. So if you're a believer and you're seeking to witness in your circle, keep at it. Keep witnessing. Keep working for the Lord Jesus. Keep serving your, your unbelieving friends and neighbors. Keep living before them uh, uh, sowing the seed, spreading the leaven, the, the kingdom will come. With God, small beginnings produce amazing results. What about your life? Let's think of that last thing. Well, it's amazing, isn't it, within, within a life? You know, you know how, how someone becomes a Christian and, and it seems so insignificant in some way. John was sort of highlighting that during the children's talk. Maybe a parent reads a Bible with a child. Doesn't seem like much. And that person grows up never remembering a time when they didn't love the Lord Jesus and they want to stand for him no matter what. Or, or, or maybe someone just had a, had a brief conversation like that story I told you, and it leads to someone trusting Jesus as Savior and King, or, or they were given a book, or they listened to a preacher. Small thing. It led them to Christ. And what happens then? Well, having, having given your life to Christ, Christ and, and you see if you were here today and you're not a Christian, let's think about this. Think of the, you think this, is, this doesn't seem very impressive. But if you give your life to Christ, what happens? You're at peace with God forever, forever. You're his child. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. It means one day you'll go from here and people will weep for you, but you will be with Jesus in glory forever, along with millions of others like the sand and the seashore who have trusted him down through the ages. What a harvest you will reap from a tiny beginning. Think it too of some of the things that you do in your life. The person who for 20 or 40 or 60 years has taken just a few minutes to read the Bible every day, say their prayers, small things, but, but they're shaped by that word, by that seed, and, and that voice, the voice of God that they, 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 they let into their lives every morning, that, that voice just drowns out all the other voices that would turn them away from Christ. 
every day. Or the person who, who faithfully prays for a family member day after day. Just a small thing. Lord, open their eyes. Help them to see. And then after years, that person's eternal destiny has changed. In 10,000 years, they, they'll be so grateful. Or the person who builds regular habits of Christian fellowship into their lives. They're, they're, they're regular at church. They just make it part of it's what we do. They have a few Christian friends with whom they talk about how things are. Those are just little things in a sense in this complex world. But, but God uses those little things to, to build deep bonds of fellowship that lead to a mature Christian life. And God's kingdom advances in your life and in your circles. The person who serves a neighbor who's in need, who shows love to them without looking for anything in return. The person who gives a little to a missionary organization that is taking the gospel to an unreached people. Somebody did that and brought the good news to Iran, didn't they? Christian, be confident that God is at work in your life. The little things may not seem like much, but God uses little things to bring incredible results. It's true for the church. It's true in our witness in the world. It's true in your life. With God, small beginnings produce amazingly large results. Let's trust him as we pray together just now. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that, that when Jesus told this parable all those years ago, though it may not have looked like it, amazing things were happening. Seed was being sown. Leaven was being spread. Salvation was being won for the world. And we thank you that we're part of that story. And we want to pray, Lord, that you will help us to trust the little ways that you're at work, the little things that by your grace we're able to do that we trust will produce an amazing result and an amazing harvest. Maybe we think of some of the things that we need to do in order that such a result might come. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we might be amazed at what you do in our lives, in our world, in our church, and in the church as you look after the increase. Hear us, Lord, we pray, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen.